Okay, we'll also turn to our English Bibles. Isaiah 35. It was written about 700 years before the coming of Christ. And yet we see something here of a prophecy of what we read in Mark chapter 7. But Isaiah 35, we won't read the whole chapter, we'll read verses 1 through 7. Isaiah 35, 1 through 7. We hear the word of the Lord. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be green, or sorry, given to it. The excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. The tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness. And streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool. And the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay. There shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And then we go to... Mark chapter 7, we turn to Mark chapter 7, and we read 31 through 37. Again, you know, uh, Jesus is still mainly working among Gentiles, so he's still among the non-Jews. He's continuing his, his journeys, you could say, outside of, of Israel. And this, this story, you only find it in the Gospel of Mark. It's not in Matthew, it's not in Luke, it's not in John. It's only here, this vivid story is only in Mark chapter 7, 31 to 37. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment of his speech. They begged him to put his hand on him. He took him aside from the multitude put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened. The impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Well, you know, the Lord can open your ears and my ears too to understanding. This is so powerful, isn't it? The revelation, the, the delightful revelation of the Lord among his people. He can open our ears so that we can hear and, and understand and come to know him. Essentially, that's what's going on here. Uh, Christ really is here the, the clear fulfillment, the clear fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 35. What's it say there? Behold, your God will come, and he will come and he will save you. 
And what will he do? The ears of the deaf. Right? Deaf will be unstopped. And the tongues of the dumb sing. <laughs> Singing. Because there's understanding. Beautiful. The opening of the ears, the loosening of the tongue, really signals that day of the Lord. Speaking of the day of the Lord in Isaiah 35, the day of the Lord, which has now come in Jesus. We live in that day today, in the work of Christ through his word. His coming, you could say, has seismic effects on the all of creation. We read that in Isaiah 35 too. You have the joy of the redeemed and and then what do you read about the creation itself? The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Wow, what an image of the church in the midst of a barren wilderness in our city, in our nation. <laughs> Blossoming rose, joy, rivers. Because it's the Christ who unstops the ears and loosens the tongue you know we live in that day today because since that time Christ has died he has given his life as a sacrifice he's risen to life he's ascended and he's above all principalities and powers and he has poured out his Holy Spirit on the church we live in those days today we witness the reversal of the curse we see new life in Christ. There is new life. There is a new creation which now, you could say, emerges from the grave. And we also know that there's more coming. The more refers to the future, the completeness of our redemption and the brand new creation at Christ's second coming. But we live in between those days, don't we? The first coming, second coming, it's in that day. We live in this day. Over and over again in Mark, we see the signs of Christ's authority. How he has come as the Son of God, the divine Son of God, to reverse the curse. And from Mark 7, we see him here, what? Opening the ears of a deaf man. And loosening his tongue so that he may speak and sing. So we see three things here. From Mark chapter 7. I'd like to focus on this morning. In light of the fact that Jesus opens ears, we see three things about this man. We see, first of all, his isolation. His isolation from life. We see that in verses 33, 31 and 32. His isolation from life. And second of all, his restoration to life. 33 to 35. And then we see the awe of the public, the confession of life. Really, the life of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus, of course, we know from verse 31, he was outside of the land of Israel. Uh, the Jews were more or less rejecting him. The multitudes were not understanding him. They didn't have the ears to hear. And he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And that's where we... We heard about the fact that he had healed a demon-possessed daughter of a Syrophoenician woman. And from there, he would continue to go east. Jesus would continue to go east through Lebanon, over and above Israel, and then come around to the 
the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. The entire region, the north, is usually called Lebanon, or was called Lebanon. And that's what Isaiah 35 refers to. It says, Lebanon will receive the, the joy of the Lord and will see the glory of God. And, and there's happening. Christ is out there manifesting his glory in Tyre and Sidon and now in the Decapolis. Jesus turns south, goes to the Sea of Galilee, and is there in Decapolis, Gentile territory. Remember that he was there one time before, at least one time before. If you go back to Mark chapter 5, remember who was there in the caves? It was a man who was demon-possessed. And Jesus cast out that demon, and where did all those demons go? Into the pigs. Right? 2,000 pigs. And they ran violently over the cliff, and they were drowned in the sea. Okay, that was the... At least that one time when he was in the Decapolis. But he still, he comes back to this area. So the people know something about Jesus here. They know him. They've heard about him. Back then they said, Jesus, please leave us. They didn't want him to stay there because of what had happened. But now he returns. And we read in verse 32 that they, refers to the multitude. There's a multitude of people there. In verse 32, And they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him that Jesus might just lay his hand on his head. To lay his hand on him. Maybe you know deaf people. Maybe you know of a deaf person. A deaf person, what does he hear? Nothing. He doesn't hear anything. He hears no words. His ears are closed to all the sounds of creation. He doesn't hear the birds. He doesn't hear the leaves rustle. He hears nothing. He's isolated. You see, he's isolated from all his surroundings. As one person says, this man is like a closed city with nothing going in, nothing going out. Like a closed city. He could hardly speak. He talks about an impediment. He had an impediment in his speech. You know, one who is deaf definitely needs some sort of therapy to learn how to speak. He doesn't hear after all. He needs to look at a person's lips and learn how to read the lips and then to practice the sounds from what he sees in that person's lips. Even then, often one, a deaf person cannot speak perfectly. But think of this man. He probably didn't have the luxuries that we have today where the deaf have that, that therapy that he wouldn't have had then. But in a real sense, he was isolated from life. And we know that when God created the world, these problems in our world were not there. There was none of those problems. God made everything good. It was good. That's what Genesis 1 says over and over and over again. And it talks about our first parents walking with the Lord, talking with the Lord. The ears were open and they lived in fellowship with the Lord. It was amazing. It was delightful. 
And now we see the sad effects in our world through our first parents, Adam and Eve. They chose to become deaf. Deaf to the word of God. That's what happened. It points to the result of our greater isolation. Our isolation from God in the garden. Man was removed from his presence. He became isolated from the life of God himself. It's a life of brokenness, a life of loneliness. That's what a life of isolation is, isn't it? To live apart from God is death. This man experienced a world of loneliness in himself. And because of sin in Adam, it's also true for us in a big way. More importantly, even more deeply, man no longer hears God's word and he's deaf to God's word and he doesn't sing his praises. Wow. You know, man, he's deaf because God's word, he's now deaf to God's word because that fellowship is now broken with God. That's what happened in Adam. And then evidently this crowd, this multitude, perhaps some of them were family, some of them were relatives, friends. They loved this man. But you know who loves him more? Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. But anyway, they, they, they begged Jesus. They begged him. There's just a sense of, the sense of urgency and they wanted Jesus to lay his hand on him, to put his hand on him. They desperately wanted their friend to be able to hear and speak again. But they probably didn't know how much more Jesus could do for him. Jesus can do more than just make him physically hear. Will they believe? Will they see that that healing him, that healing his ears is a sign? It's just a sign, only a sign of something bigger, something greater that Jesus does. And that is, it's a sign that he also opens our ears to the word of God. Man is so naturally deaf. And that's why he's bored with God's word. Because he's deaf to God's word. We too need the grace of God. But you know what? Christ can open ears. He can break the power of unbelief and open our ears through his powerful word. He can give us faith and that through faith in him, we can have that fellowship of life and that that fellowship is restored to him, to man, through Christ again. And that brings us to our second point. Beautiful. Who loved him more? Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Christ doesn't put his hand on him. What does verse 33 say? Jesus took him aside. He took him away from the crowd, from the multitude. And he put his fingers in his ears. Like fingers, probably all four of them. This side and this side. Put them right inside his ears. And he spat, wet his finger, put it on his tongue. He not only did that, but he looked up into heaven and he gave a... He sighed. 
He loved this man. He had sorrow for this man before he even spoke those words. What a way to encourage faith in this man. You know, Jesus, by all these actions, by putting the fingers in his ears, by putting spittle on his tongue, by looking up, by sighing, he spells out so that he can see, that this man, deaf man can see, that he's saying, Ephatha, be opened. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. This man was deaf because he was deaf. Jesus could not address him normally like other people. Jesus showed it by his sense of touch. Way better than laying him at hands. He's so personal. He's so compassionate. He does it with great feeling. Someone put it this way. By putting his fingers into his ears, Jesus speaks to him with his compassionate touch. As if Jesus is saying, something will be done for your ears, and I will do it. And by putting spittle on this man's tongue, Jesus is saying, something will be done for your tongue, and I will do it. They couldn't do anything for him. Ultimately, the method of healing is not unique here. We can look at that and say, wow, spit on the tongue and fingers in the ears. But that's not the focus here. The focus, the uniqueness is Jesus himself. He's the focus here. The healing points to him. In him, God's kingdom comes. What a loving, friendly spirit the Lord manifests here. Isn't it powerful? What does Jesus do? Verse 34, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, be open. How many times did Jesus have to say this? You have many counterfeits in the Christian church today who say one time, two times, three times, four times, and still that person is deaf, or still that person is limping and lame. This man could not hear. I'm sorry, I think I missed my spot here. Oh, Jesus simply says, be opened. One word, that's all. He spoke, and it was. Think back to Genesis 1. God the creator. He spoke, and it was. One time. Jesus didn't have to repeat it two, three, four times. He speaks with authority. He speaks with power. His word is a word of power. And by his word, he opens this man's ears and enables him to speak. What do we read in verse 35? At once. Immediately. Not magic. No counterfeits. As Jesus himself. His ears were open. The impediment of his tongue was loosed. He spoke plainly. You know, the word for impediment here literally means chain. Or something chained down. Or a bond. He was tied down. His tongue was tied down. The chain of the tongue now, because of Christ's power, was broken. It was broken by Jesus, marking again the reversal of the curse. He can also break the chains of deafness in our ears. He's that powerful, so that we understand, that we begin to love his word, grow in his word, 
at once. This man is no longer like a closed city. You know what? The sounds, the songs are coming into his ears and echoing from his heart and through his mouth. The opening, there's more here. The opening is not limited simply to his physical ears hearing again and him being able to speak. No, his whole person is opened up. His heart, his mind, his life, the life of the kingdom, the life of Jesus comes into him. He's set free. He's restored to life. There's life in God's kingdom. It's more than just his ears and tongue. Please, that's just a sign. It's a sign that points to the power of Jesus that he can unstop your ears to his word that you can understand and loosen your tongue so that you can sing. By faith, he is restored to the fellowship of Christ. You could say he's being added to the church even as we hear this in this passage. Christ has opened the garden has opened the, 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 um, the paradise for him. A relationship with God is real for this man again. This is the true restoration Christ brings compared to the isolation that sin brings. Understand that the opening of the ears and the loosening of the tongue were only signs. That's not the reality. Counterfeits focus on that as if that's the reality today. That's not the reality. It is real, but it points to something greater. Those are signs of the kingdom, pointing to something greater that Jesus brings. The life of his kingdom, understanding with our ears the word of God, being restored into a right relationship with God, being brought into a new creation through faith in Christ. We are a new creation, aren't we? through faith in Christ. God's word is that powerful that it can open ears to hear and loosen tongues to give praise. You know, if you read the Gospel of Mark, we've been reading it over and over again. Jesus says, He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. So many were not understanding because they weren't really hearing. Hearing. If you look back just a few verses in Mark chapter 7, 14 and 16, Jesus says to the deaf multitudes, the people of Israel, Hear me, everyone. Please understand. And then he goes on to say, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And now in this miracle, Jesus shows one who's a Gentile, one who's not a Jew, one who's not in the covenant, Jesus shows that he has the authority to open ears to hear him by faith. You know, this is why it's so important to come to church to hear the word of Christ. It's so important. Because through that word, he opens our ears by the power of his spirit. But also through that word, he sustains us. He keeps us in the faith. But without hearing that word, we can only expect more isolation and worse yet. That's how, that's God's means of grace. To keep our minds, to keep our ears open by faith. You know, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
Yes, Christ opens the kingdom of heaven through the preaching of the word. That's his powerful key to bring the spiritually deaf who are in isolation from life and to bring them to God, to restore life to them through faith in Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? In Christ there is a new creation, new ears, new tongues. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 35 makes that very clear connection, doesn't he? The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The tongue of the the tongues of the dumb sing. And then it goes on to say, For water shall burst forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The parched ground will become a pool. The thirsty land springs of water. The blessing of knowing Christ is full, it's abundant, it's blessing, it's like a rose, it's like waters in a dry land. That's the church in a dry and sinful and deaf world. In Christ, God's people receive his life, life in abundance. This miracle is more than just physical healing of ears and tongues. Jesus wants to show himself. He's the reality. He's a fulfillment. It points to a joy-filled restoration of a joy-filled, restored relationship with God. And yes, believers who are medically deaf today, though they may never have that healing in this life, will hear again. That's the promise. They will hear again in the new heaven and a new earth. But they're already hearing by faith. In a certain sense of the word, they understand. They know. They know Christ. Jesus opening his ears and loosening his tongue evokes what an amazing response from the, from the crowds. Many of them are who are probably Gentiles. And that brings us to verses 36 and 37. Especially verse, especially verse 37. But notice Jesus' command to the multitudes in verse 36. For some reason, and we read here, he says, he commanded them that they should tell no one. But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. It's kind of like as one commentator said, you know, certain boys may pass by an apple orchard. And in that apple orchard, there's a, a tree filled with apples on its branches hanging over the fence. And the boys never bother taking the apples off the branches to eat them. They're never t- they never attempt to do it. They just leave it. But one day, there's a sign there that says, anyone who eats these apples will be prosecuted. And then he goes on to say, can you imagine the next day? The boys had their pockets filled with apples. Okay, and it's the same sense over here. Even as Jesus is commanding them not to do it, the more he's saying it, the more they're proclaiming it. It was sinful because Jesus told them not to, and yet they were doing it. Why, why did he tell them not to do it? Why did he tell them not to proclaim it? Well, it was really not yet the time to proclaim. The public proclamation of it must wait until after the reversal of the curse takes place through Christ's finished sacrifice on the cross for sin. And until a new creation comes forth through his resurrection from the dead and the pouring out of his spirit, then it may be proclaimed, it may be told to the nations. Of course, there may be other reasons here too, but that's essentially... The point, 
it was not yet the time to do so. Disobeying is really not a fruit of faith. It isn't. And yet in verse 37, it says that they were astonished beyond measure. What Jesus did was so amazing. The crowd, the multitudes are astonished. Okay? But we have to be careful here. It does not necessarily mean they believed. It may have, some of them. But all it says here, they were astonished. And yet, even in their astonishment, we do hear a confession, don't we? What are they saying? He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. He has done all things well. What does that remind you of? Genesis 1. Where God says again and again, God saw that he made, and it was good. 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 And then verse 31, and he saw everything that he made, and it was good. Very good. And now, Jesus, the Son of God, in his work of redemption, his work is like the Father's work in creation. It's done well. There is no lack in Jesus. Everything that we need in life and in death, even for our ears, we find in Jesus through the powerful working of his word, which affects, which has a powerful effect in us through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. And then they have one other confession. He makes both the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. Perhaps they didn't know, but really they're echoing the words of the prophet Isaiah 35, 5 and 6, which are now being fulfilled in Christ. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The tongue of the dumb shall sing. And the Lord here, one way form or another, he elicits that confession from their mouths, from the mouths of the crowds, perhaps without even them really understanding what they were saying yet. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hearing and understanding is made possible only by Jesus. He opens ears. He really does open ears so that we may understand. This miracle shows that he opens ears and he opens mouths to sing his praises. Epitha, be opened. That's the miracle of hearing. It's his work. Maybe there's some here who doesn't believe in Christ. Well, Jesus has a very simple call. He calls you to turn away from yourself, from your sin, and to turn to Christ in faith. Because only Christ is able to open your ears so that you can understand and see the beauty of the Lord. Only he can loosen your tongue so that you can no longer have to complain and shout and get angry, but to sing his praises. Come to him, because he enables us to hear. 
He enables us to understand. He enables us to give witness. He has done all things well. Think of Lydia in Acts chapter 16. Lydia was deaf. She was there. Paul was preaching. Notice what the Lord was doing while Paul was preaching. The Lord opened her heart. And she believed. Praise God. If you believe, it's his work in us. All of us were once deaf. Deaf as a, deafer than a stone. Deaf. But praise God for his work in your life. Praise him for opening your ears and loosening your tongues. Continue to hear him. There is so much more to hear from his word. There's so much more to hear from Christ. There's so much more to understand. There's so much more to the rose to smell and the blossom to see. We see this much. Has the Spirit working in your heart that you have the eagerness to see more and more and more? Don't let your hearing become dull, thinking you don't need to study the Word, thinking that you don't need to hear the Word anymore. Don't harden your heart. That's the way to isolation. It's terrible. It leads to death. To live apart from God is death. Christ comes to you with this word. Ephatha. Be opened. Sing his praises. And share your witness. He has done all things well. May this be the song in our homes. May this be the song in our church. May this be the song that the world and the neighborhood hears. May they see the Christ with his fingers, with his spit, with his sigh, also in us. Amen.